from the halls of assembly you hear a scream and shout I love of Indiana is manic and devout everything I do we discuss in unique manner we won't be satisfied until we hang another banner us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric and as you probably know by now we're Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics Hello Ward Hello, Eric. Well, it's been a hell of a weekend for both of us. Yeah, yeah. World-weary travelers. Yeah, I am just now arriving in LAX, as you can see if you're watching on the video podcast. I am waiting for Holly to get off the plane. Go ahead and ask. (laughs) Why are you getting off so much sooner than Holly, Eric? This is not going to go well. (laughs) So we both work for the same show. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of us gets booked in first class and the other gets booked in coach. But but who makes that decision? Oh, no, that, that's a policy. But who makes the policy? Higher ups. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I can't be showing favoritism, Ward. I can't be showing favoritism. So, I mean, I just, um, is there a rule against you sitting in coach? You know what? I think that's policy, also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know what, Ward? It's just times like these where I'm proud and happy that we are powered by. You know what I got to tell you, Ward, when I arrived at LAX, yeah, I wish I was back in Indiana because I know Community Cars takes care of us when we arrive at Indianapolis's airport. Frankly, I think airplanes are bullshit and we should just drive community cars to wherever we need to go from now on. You know what? Quick community car story. As you know, I was in New York. Mm -hmm. I got to see the goons. Yes. We had a nice dinner. One of the goons transferred a piece of chicken to his plate. Oh, great picture. I mean, just turned his (laughs) white shirt into a Jackson Pollock painting. (laughs) I mean, it was unbelievable. But we I had a conversation with one of the goons. One of the goons bought a car from Community Cars. And he said to me, unsolicited, he goes, Eric, I got to tell you. He's like, I had a couple questions recently about the financing. And I called Community Cars. He's like, every conversation has been pleasant. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Mm-hmm. He's like, I called them. I had a couple questions. I didn't really understand this. They explained it to me in like five minutes each time. It was perfect. Uh-oh. Here she comes. <laughs> Why, why do I hear the Imperial March right now? Hello, Holly. <laughs> Holly, why were you getting off the plane so much later than Eric? What Ward's asking, why are you getting off the plane so much yeah. later than me? Yeah, I'll let him answer. I'll let him answer. Ooh, Ooh boy. I lost Who's visual that? on you. Okay, Eric is back. We've got him back at LAX. We don't know how long we have him for. Eric, we know we love community cars in LA. We know there's a goon in New York who loves him in New York. We know everybody loves him in Bloomington. So buy a community car, tell them we send you, and then they'll keep sponsoring this damn show. Exactly. Now let's talk about Indiana. 
So, so I mean, like, what do you, what do you got time for? R- rapid fire. We're recruiting a guy named Boogie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that. We're recruiting a guy named Asa. I like that. I, I like that Asa is like ranked in the top 50 and he's still only like the seventh highest ranked player we're recruiting right now. Yeah, man. It, it is exciting times. Obviously, everybody's talking about the fact that tomorrow Xavier Booker is going to be on campus. Oh, it's, so. it's bed rocket 930, baby. I can't talk about Xavier Booker because people get all upset at me. So <laughs> well, I'm just going to. I'm going to let it just play out. I'm just going to let it play out. You staked your your claim early and it's a shifting landscape and you know, let's let's just let's just hope he's really that great and really ends up in Bloomington for more than just one more unofficial visit. Yeah, I mean, it's a shifting landscape. We'll see how shifty it actually is. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. What else? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, look Big announcements coming out this week about the weekend of August 18th to 21st. I believe the announcement will go out tomorrow, Wednesday, the 15th. Is that what the date is? No, you're talking to the wrong guy. I'm not a big numbers and dates guy. (laughs) Not a big (laughs) factual date guy. Um, How was, by the way, before we hit anything else, this weekend you were in Peru. You performed at the Cole Porter Festival. How was it? Grade your performance. It was uh let's let's grade the festival first. It was a tremendous success. My sister Kati and her significant other Christian produced this festival. It was the 30th annual. They took it to another level. The whole town of Peru came out and helped and participated. There were incredible musicians celebrating the life and music of Cole Porter. And I, my friend, on the main stage, shat the bed. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that to be the case. I think, but I appreciate the description of it. Ward, I got to find my car. I don't know what's going on here. Let's get to the fact that the guest today, we did interview before practices started last week. So we interviewed this gentleman about nine days ago, right before practices were about to start, but it was awesome to check in with another guy returning to the team to get his sense of the excitement level, what went wrong last year, what went right last year, and just the state of affairs heading into practice starting. What a cool dude. Let's just get to it. Boom. Much cooler than us. Well, that's not hard. That's not a struggle for most people. All right, man. I'll, uh, sorry about the weird intro. We'll see you next week. You know what? We probably should do this more often because I'm sure the listeners love how short this is. <laughs> Let's get to it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Oh, yeah. He's here. He said yes. He's on the show. We're going to find out what's going on with his life. Well, his thoughts on last season, his thoughts on next season. But first, Eric has to tell you who he is. Well, Ward said it. He said yes. Again, this is number two, which is shocking. We are always surprised when someone says yes a second time. He, of course, hails from Houston, Texas. He was a four-star recruit. He set records in high school for points, three-point percentage, free-throw percentage. He was an Under Armour first-team All-American. He shot basically 1,000% from three is what I'm gathering. He shot 90% from the free-throw line. He, of course, went to Northwestern, where he had a stellar career for several seasons at Northwestern before making the choice to transfer and come to Bloomington last year, where... 
What was he last year? He was one of only three players on the team to play in and start every single game. 35 games, 35 starts. He had huge games against Syracuse where we almost pulled out the road victory in the ACC Big Ten Challenge where he scored 28 points. But he did have a bit of an up and down year, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I do want to talk about he had back-to-back games at the end of the year at Purdue where he scored 14 points. He went four of six from the three-point line in that game where we almost pulled out the road victory against Purdue and then followed that up against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament where he had nine points over those two two games. He went six of ten from the three-point line, and obviously that Michigan game went a long way to helping get Indiana to its first NCAA tournament in six years. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the gentleman who led the team in free throw shooting last year at 86.5%. He shot threes at 36.1%. He took on Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports one-on-one, mano-a-mano on social media, and I think he won. Oh, We're going to yeah. get into that. Oh, yeah. He He's become the Zach Galifianakis of Indiana University videos with his great interviews with various players on the basketball team and behind-the-scenes videos. He's also the co-owner and founder of Primal Clothing, I would be wearing, by the way, my primal hoodie, but it's sold out. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, God forbid you send the hysterics a hoodie. I mean, God forbid. God forbid. Ladies and gentlemen, you just hold that thought. <laughs> Ladies ahead. and gentlemen, we're also talking to a guy who can rival Ward for best hair on the podcast. Please welcome Miller Cop. What's going on, guys? Glad to be back. All right, what do you what do you want to hit first off of that? You you might dig at you for not sending us a primal hoodie. Well, let's just say I only have one hoodie and one t-shirt myself because everything else I just gave away. It, like the extras that I had, I gave away to people like teammates and my family. And my brothers were upset at me because they were like, dude, you didn't like save me anything. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't have as much as you thought I did because it just was being sold. Is, is this just something you're always doing? Because on the Pigs message board, like an hour ago, they said you were giving away clothing. Oh, yeah. So I'm, mo- I'm moving apartments. And so um, I'm just going through all my clothes and I'm, you know, there's a bunch of stuff I just did, was, didn't wear and haven't worn. So uh, I just put out on my Instagram story, like, hey, if anybody wants some clothes, some hoodies, T-shirts, no underwear. I'm not doing that, but um, so I'm giving that just, you know, I want to just kind of get rid of that stuff and I'm not just going to sell it and just give it away. So I got kind of too many people at like responded. There were a couple hundred people and I'm like, I only have probably like 50 things to give away. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do. You're in a pickle. By the way, I love the idea that all the people on pigs and like social media keyboard warriors, they're like, yeah, yeah. Those shirts look really good on a six foot seven jacked athlete who's 22 years old, 23 years old. I think it'll look good on my five foot nine, 320 body. I think that it'll look exactly the same. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, people, I I don't think they really understand, but hey, as long as it goes to a nice home, I can't complain. Here's what here's what I need to know. How's my girl doing? My girl, the only girl I've made out with besides my <laughs> wife since I graduated yeah. from Indiana University. She's oh. she's getting all grown up now. She is. She is grown up and she have actually happens to be 
Yes. Oh, there, there she is. is. And, and for those listening on the pod, on the audio, <laughs> let's make it clear that we are no, not talking about no. a young girl here. <laughs> We're talking about a dog. Yeah. So she's uh look at that. She's look doing great. Her. She's just looking around. She's on the table right now, so she's a little excited. Probably what's just... her name again? Her name's Ivy. 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 Y. Okay. Mm. So not spelled like Jaden. Good, good, good. Oh, that is an adorable dog. That is an adorable she's great. dog. She's great. Now, what I do have to I, there's so many questions I want to ask you. I want to get to Ivy the dog in a second, but back to primal clothing. So you and Trace are partners in that? Is that right? Yeah. So we did the first kind of uh, drop. We kind of just had the idea. And I was like, dude, we should just do this. It would be fun and see what happens. And so one thing led to another. I got a one of my buddies who was I went to high school with, works down in Houston at like a manufacturer for clothing. Hit him up. One thing led to another. After a couple of weeks, I was just gave, wired the money to him and had a bunch of 400 units of clothing sitting in my garage. My dad came home. He's like, what is this? <laughs> box, a box, a box, a box, a box. And so I just, I was like, shoot, I need a website and 1031 marketing who I'm working with is, you know, set that up for me like, like that. And so, um, I was like, shoot, I, we got to start doing this, you know, just drop it. And so I went to, before practice, like an hour before practice, I just took a, you know, video and then put the link just in the video and then, you know, my phone away and went to practice and came back and just checked my phone and I had like, you know, a bunch of orders and I was like, holy crap. Now you got to fulfill them. Yeah. Yeah. Which was all my mom and dad. So they're, uh, <laughs> they weren't happy about that, but they, they, uh, they were troopers. So your dad is providing storage. Your dad and mom providing storage. They're providing fulfillment. And your dad's a model for Primal Yeah, Club. Yeah, they both modeled. That was really funny because I asked them, I said, look, you have all the stuff. I don't have anything yet. And I said, I need some modeling. And I thought it was so funny, too, because <laughs> I just like they sent a picture. I'm like, I need you to look like more gritty. And, and I'm like, come on, like, this has to be good. And my mom's like, wait, like, wait till tomorrow morning. I'll just, I'll get my hair ready. And I'm like, it really won't matter, but okay. And uh, it's funny because there were like hundreds and hundreds of people on the website. So it's, uh, they uh, definitely were, were noticed. I'm surprised no talent evaluators or modeling agencies have, have reached out. Well, you've got them under an exclusive deal, I would imagine. Yeah, so. I think they're just worried about, you know, trademarks and stuff. I, I do want to ask this about the Primal brand though, because clearly this is, you know, um, part and parcel to NIL stuff that you're able to monetize here. Yeah. But you went a very different route than almost everybody in college sports. You didn't put your face on it. You didn't put your name on it. You didn't try to rip off the IU logo. You didn't try to do a, a blueprint of assembly hall, you know, and, and the vast majority of NIL clothing that's out there is a shirt that has the person's name on it, you know, yeah. in some way or a nickname. Or what, yeah, what, why did you decide to go that way? I thought it was really smart because it's a brand that can be broader than, than just people that are fans, but yeah. what, and I think there are people that are fans who just don't want to buy a shirt that has a picture of a dude on it. Exactly. But what was, how did you come to that um, decision? Well, I just, you know, I, I started with from as a joke, making those, you know, TikTok videos after wins and with trace and whatever. And, you know, then it kind of started to, 
build a like a following of people who would comment like different stuff and whether it was like state primal or primal or this and that. And I'm like, well, I could kind of go somewhere with this. I've always wanted to do stuff, you know, stuff like merch or, you know, sell something. Um, and I thought it was a good way to kind of have a, have my own twist on, on, uh, you know, creating a brand. And, you know, I've, I've always kind of been against just personally, um, you know, having my name or my face on something, because I feel like, you know, if Phil, uh, whatever his name is, uh, whoever created Nike, what's his Phil name? Phil Knight. Phil Knight. If Phil Knight said, you know, instead of the swoosh had his face on there and then under, under it was Nike. Like Miller, Miller, look, look who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you're not selling that. You're not selling that on a, on no, a, not, it's not true. Lack of trying. We're, we're really not. <laughs> For those listening, we're pointing to the Hoosier Hysterics logo with our faces on it. <laughs> but but it's like wearing something like that just straight in your shirt. I don't know. It's, I feel like it's a little more. It takes a lot more for somebody to wear that public. Yeah. But I've seen you know people who wear you know primal stuff on um, you know in public, and you know my teammates will just wear it randomly, and I'm just like, I'm like, hey man, appreciate that, and. Um, so yeah, I just think it's something that you know can grow into something bigger, which which it will. And, and do you have another order coming out? Can people expect uh, the orders to be to be restocked and can start ordering again? Oh yeah, we'll be restocked here very soon with some different colors. We'll have a hoodie and we'll have uh, two different T-shirts and some shorts too. Are they uh, are they like the shorts you're wearing now? No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> shorts I'm wearing right now are uh, they're fitted. Let's just say that. Yeah, they're they're NSFW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, when you're doing this, you're 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 an entrepreneur, right? And then you've also got the YouTube videos, the be- between two ferns kind of format comedy. When you're doing all this stuff, how much of it is this? Just sounds like a fun thing I want to do now and see where it goes. And how much is it? calculated and strategic to or something when someday the ball stops bouncing that that's going to be where you go well it's both i think they go hand in hand but the bigger picture obviously for me is something you know to have a a bigger plan with with the brand primal because i mean you think primal you know i'm i'm a big into health and fitness and wellness you know anything that you know primal could be in in for anything like primal um you know energy bars primal peril yeah primal energy bars primal you know workout primal fitness primal this or that you know that i've i've thought of in the long term but also at the same time it is just fun and you know it's it's just a good time to do that other stuff too that helps just show my personality and just kind of build a uh, a good following and a good kind of community now, have you felt you, you've done, you did a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, practices, you did a great video on the Bahamas to give people a firsthand look at the experience. And then as Ward mentioned, the interviews with your teammates that were, you know, mostly comedy, ba- all comedy based and yeah. really funny. And you've yeah. got a, a great knack for that dry delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, are you feeling the pressure now of having to keep delivering those because that's what happens when you start something like that. No, there's no pressure because it's like, it's not like I'm crazy big. Like I got a hundred thousand, you know, YouTube subscribers, but at the same time, it's, it's uh, I think of it more as just like, I'm excited to start kind of doing some more of that. And so I got a, 
me and 1031 marketing and, and uh, are going to be doing a lot more stuff and doing a day in the life of the summer and kind of workout stuff. And um, so it'll, it'll, it's, it's going to be fun. Well, that's a perfect segue. It is summertime in Bloomington, a fun, more relaxed time to be in Bloomington, but I'm yeah. sure you've been busy and you're about to get real busy again. Tell us where you're at, what you're doing, both uh, with school, uh, you know, socially, but really yeah. what's going on with the team, because we know that's about to gear back up again. Yeah. So we start up uh, June 6th, uh, our first like team workouts. And um, I think we'll, we'll go until July 29th or something. Uh, so we've got like eight weeks together. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, right now for me, it's just working out, you know, I'm, I'm in a, a summer class online. So I'm, I'm doing that every day. And um, really it's just wake up, take my dog out, go to the gym, come back, take her out class for like hour and a half and then go back to the gym at night. That's really how, it. How, how many shots are you getting up a day? Well, it depends on the day, but I usually I'll make 300 threes every day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And my, how many, how my many, do you... wait, that's, that's my annual total. If it's a good year, <laughs> <laughs> no way you make, I've seen you shoot threes. No You're way right. you make 300 in a year. Yeah. That's no very way. true. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Miller, uh, on those 300, how many do you take to make those and what makes you happy at this point in your career? It's tough. It, now it's more about, um, it's about like just the feel, how it feels. You know, I'm, I'm less worried about the number. You know, I, I'm going to shoot around the same, you know, percentage, just unguarded. Uh, you can relax, you know that? <laughs> and, Ivy, Ivy causing trouble. Yeah. And so really just, it's about just the feel and how it feels and just kind of getting a good rhythm with that. And then, um, just, you know, I, it depends on, on the, the, the amount of makes, but you know, I usually add on to the 300 just by myself and then the other stuff, um, with, with our GAs and, um, I work out and just do, I don't really count makes there. It's more about just game game. Rep. So walk us through a little bit of what this, let's call it early summer has been like for you, because obviously school ends, you yep. work out in the spring a little bit with, with the guys and the team. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you, you go away for a little bit. Now you're back, but what, what has your spring into summer routine looked like? Well, so I went home for a little bit, um, you know, to be expected, it was good to get back home with my brothers, my family. And so really when I'm back there, it's about hanging out with them, you know, decompressing, and just getting the body back right and getting healthy, you know, cause it's a long season. And, um, you know, thankfully, like you said, in the intro, you know, I was, didn't miss a game. So that's just a big, big thing for me is always staying ready and staying available. So, you know, you need time off just completely off to let your body just recover and heal and just kind of get back to normal. Um, because you get so used to during the season being just tired and sore and you, don't understand you don't really remember what it feels like to be like completely <laughs> pain-free and healthy and all that stuff so um you know when you get a chance to do that you have to and so really the spring was kind of getting getting really healthy and spending time with family and then you know still working out with me and my brothers you you do i could be totally wrong here and if so we can just cut it out you look like you you've actually slimmed up some 
You look like you're lighter than, than so. you were. You were never heavy, but but it looks like, are you thinner than you were? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Just because I've been running a lot and just really staying in shape. And um, yeah. Is that part of the plan? Did you see something in the season where you're like, look, I'd love to get rid of five, seven pounds or something like uh, that? No, no. Okay. I how my body's just doing right now i guess oh yeah i it must be must be nice that the older you get the the thinner and slimmer and more in shape yeah. you get i don't know what that's like i've gained six pounds since this podcast started <laughs> this episode <laughs> now awesome. is, it, is it something where uh you get together with cliff before the end of the season and come up with the plan or are you pretty independent now and have your own regimen that you've constructed just based on being in college for several seasons yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I'm always talking with Coach Cliff about what we're doing. And, um, you know, he sends stuff back for us to do, um, you know, kind of a plan. And so I'll usually do that. And then depending on kind of how I'm feeling, I, I know my body and, and kind of know what I need and what, when I should kind of back off things. And so, um, you know, I just, there's just, just, I just kind of do a hodgepodge of just stuff of like running a couple miles of doing different exercises and full body workouts. And, um, you know, me and my brothers go into the, we call it the dungeon. Uh, it's just our garage, but, uh, we've got like our weight set up there. And so in Houston, it gets hot, and humid, like even at night, at nine o'clock, it's going to be, you know, 90 degrees, feel like a hundred and our garage gets extremely hot. So we close the door, lights are dim and we blast music. And so, um, we just go in there and just do like abs and push-ups and stretch and just like just like loud and you, you, so, no videos of the dungeon. You got no videos of the dungeon workout. No, it's, it's like, it's like a dungeon. You wouldn't have a phone in a dungeon. <laughs> and so it, uh, it's just like intense. And so I would really do that every night with my brothers. What uh, music, what music are you blasting? What's the it'd soundtrack? Be anything. So sometimes it'd be a little rap. And then sometimes I'd feel a little like old school and not old school, but little throwbacks of like uh, Justin Timberlake. Um, uh, the song really that that was a big one was uh, "Sex on Fire." Was mm. if you blast that in a room that just vi it feels like it vibrates, you gotta. I mean, you you're gonna get juiced up. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing better than getting in a dark room that's a hundred <laughs> degrees and sweaty with my brothers blasting <laughs> "Sex on Fire." <laughs> What can I say? I don't know. It's all I know. I mean, I grew up with three brothers where we just wrestled and just, you know, fought I each other. Over, so I well, love it. I love what, it. What about, um, can we get back to the shooting for a second? Cause I do, I wonder what can you do? Cause you said, well, uncontested shots, it's kind of is what it is. What yeah. can you do during the off season to, to simulate gameplay a little bit? What do you do to trick yourself? Well, just in workouts, you know, there's just stuff that, you're not going to get as many shots, but it's really game-like. So there's different drills and, you know, the GAs and Isaac Green and Jacob Hers, Nick Russell, they do a crazy good job of getting us, you know, in good workouts and game situations. And so it's different stuff where it's like, I'll get it, I'll rip through, drive, pass, read the guy who's driving, play off him, and there's a shot. So it's like 10 seconds, you know, five, 10 seconds per rep but you're going full speed. You're running. You're, you don't really, you can't think, but you have to, you got to think quick and then boom, it's a shot. And then it's another rep instead of just sitting there and which I do at night, just cause you know, you got a repetition and just shooting just spot shots. So uh, there's that. And then, you know, some stuff you can do in workouts, but then there's other stuff where really it's just playing, 
playing pickup, playing one-on-one, playing two-on-two, three-on-three, uh, which we're, we're uh, I know this summer we're going to be doing a lot of, which is uh, going to be good. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because we recently had your buddy Trace. Uh, and I, want, I would love to talk about your relationship with him because it seems like not just from the primal stuff, but just following you guys, seems like you guys got pretty close over the course of this this year that you got to know each other. But we had Trace on, and Trace said, you know, when he decided to come back, one of the things he talked to Coach about was how to change up the summer workouts a little yeah. bit. And one of the things he mentioned was, look, we're going to run. We'll be in shape, but we want to play more. Mm-hmm. And and we want to get out there and just play basketball more. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that something you and Trace have talked about in the past? And, and what is the benefit of that versus the way maybe it was before? Yeah, well, it's huge because it's really something that, it's like you, you can only get in basketball shape from playing basketball. You know, you can run as much as you can, but it's not the same of, as, you know, you can run a mile and be tired, but that's, you know, depending on how fast you run six to eight minutes or nine or 10, uh, whatever, but that's just a certain <laughs> amount of time. But say you play basketball and that's a straight line and you're playing basketball, you're playing pickup, you sprint down the court, sliding, sprinting back, cutting, changing directions, and then you're doing that for 35, 40 minutes. You know, there's a different type of just for your legs, for your just body, and you're just uh, you're just overall just cardiovascular, just health that you just can't simulate with you know just straight running. And so that's the biggest thing to really get in basketball shape. You have to just play basketball. And you know that's why I think you know I remember when I was um, a freshman in college, I didn't have. You know, there were games where I wouldn't play much. I would, I played, you know, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. And the day after when we practice, you know, the high minute guys wouldn't practice as much. And then I'd be in the, you know, be me and like three other guys. And we'd grab two walk-ons or a walk-on and we play two on two, three on three for like an hour straight just to keep conditioning up because that's the only way, you know, to really do it instead of just running suicides, which will get you tired, but it won't get you in shape. As, as much something both coach Woodson and trace have said recently publicly is that the defense had to be the thing last year to keep you guys competitive yeah. and it worked you were competitive throughout the season but that this offseason going into next year there's a new emphasis on offense what did you see of that in the spring and what do you expect kind of moving forward in the summer into next season what's that going to look like? How's it going to be different or, or how are you going to be spending your time differently? Yeah. So I think the spring, cause it's right after the season, you know, it's still fresh. Uh, the season's still fresh on everybody's mind. Um, but I think the biggest thing in the spring is, is really individual stuff. You know, you focus on your game, what you really need to do, what you can, you know, improve. Um, and, and you do that. And then, you know, and the summer. You, wait. And for you, what, what is that by your own, uh, acknowledgement, maybe what the coaches said, what did you want to improve yeah. in the game? Well, it's, it's shot making, but, but in, in different, in, um, in certain, you know, different actions and different movements, um, you know, more on the move, some stuff um, shooting with, you know, more range, which is harder to guard, you know, creates more space um, and just getting more comfortable with the shots that I now know, uh, or at least, you know, think I'm going to get. So um, that's, that's for me kind of what that was about. And then the summer I feel like is where, you know, you still do all your individual stuff, 
but it's, you know, you're getting a bunch of new, new guys. And so you have to mesh and, and kind of just get through that phase of like, you know, getting to know each other on the court, off the court. And, um, you know, where there's a lot more emphasis on the team and kind of chemistry, I think is definitely bigger. Going back to trace for a second. So talk a little bit about your relationship with trace, how that got built throughout the year. And then what, how you were feeling about Trace's decision as he went into it. And then when you found out that he was coming back, how, how was that communicated to you and, and had to put some wind in your sails, I would think, knowing that you were coming back. Well, yeah. I mean, so over the season kind of, we got, uh, we got close, we started, you know, really in the Bahamas, we're roommates in the Bahamas and, um, you know, playing those games and, you know, having a good time off the court really kind of helped us, kind of just break down, break the barrier, break the ice really, because, you know, we're just sleeping in the same room, waking up with each other, all that stuff. Um, so it started there. And then throughout the season, uh, we're again, you know, on the road, we're roommates. And then really it just, you just build a bond with the guys, uh, with, with a guy like that, especially during games, you know, when you have to just come together, you know, you need him, he needs you and, and you just kind of band together to, to get stuff done. And so that's really kind of how, um, you know, you, you, you build a relationship like that. I think we got a lot closer throughout the season uh, when we got really comfortable with each other uh, on the court and off the court too. So um, yeah, but, uh, but, but when he was coming back uh, you know, obviously he put his name in the draft and like, I, I was, you know, had, there's two sides of the coin, you know, I want the best for him and I want, I want him to achieve his dreams and make a bunch of money and go to the NBA. Like I'm like, dude, if you can go do it, like right. it's, it'd be, it'd be so selfish of me to say, Hey man, like you got to come back, bro. Like you shouldn't do that. Like I would never say that, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, well, dude, if you come back, I mean, <laughs> I don't even have to say it. Like, you know, we could do something here. <laughs> and so um, it was one of those things where when he did say he's coming back, it's just like, all right, well, not like, cause I, I didn't know what really to expect, but I was like, when I saw it. I'm like, okay, well, all right now it's time to roll. Like it's time to, it's time to go. Did he so, text you or call you when he had made his decision? In the, uh, in our group chat, he let us all know, um, you know, kind of before. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to kind of gauge what your reaction was of the teammates, maybe even on that, that chain. Uh, if, if it was similar to that of Hoosier Nation and even beyond Hoosier Nation, even, you know, the beat reporters, the sports reporters, national and local, along with the whole fan base. I mean, people are excited about yeah. this team. What, what is that? You know, you you've not gone into a season before where people are talking about the team you're on. Maybe it's a top 10, definitely like top 15 type team with big yeah. expectations. Does it feel different walking around? Does it does it change your mindset or your approach at all? Uh no, no. I, not for me personally. I mean, it's it, it's cool. It's it's exciting, but at the same time, there's so much work to be done. You know, there's so much work to be done behind the scenes that before we step on the court in November, that has to be done, you know, individually and then together as a team. That that stuff is so far ahead and so far away right now that if we're thinking about that right now, then we're, we're in trouble. We just need to focus on 
you know, each day and figuring out how we just look at, you know, your past self and the day before and say, Hey, I'm going to be better than you today. And then you just keep doing that. And one thing leads to another and it's November and we're in a good spot to start the season. When we ran into you, when we were last in Bloomington and Ward made out with your dog, um, open mouth, by the way, um, He's still recovering from that, by the way. <laughs> um, you said to us before we, we did a funny video on Kirkwood, you were already looking forward to summer workouts and mm -hmm. you were saying, man, they are just going to be battles. Like, I think that was the word you used that it is just going to be so competitive. What is it about what has happened with this team over the course of last season, the pieces that have been added in the off season and, and recruiting that makes you think that come Monday, really June 6th, things are going to be very different than they were last year. Yeah. So I wouldn't say they're going to be very different in terms of, you know, there's definitely going to be intense, like intensity and competitiveness, but it's definitely going to be different, you know, in terms of now we have expectations within us, you know, there's no more question marks about like, all right, well, we got to figure out, you know, we got to figure out what, what he's like, you know, what he wants um, and stuff like that, because now we know, we know, mm -hmm. he knows us and he knows, you know, what he wants and he knows um, kind of the direction that we're going and that, you know, he's going to lead us. And so there's none of that, you know, that's, that's gone. Now it's about the guys who are here teaching the guys who are coming in what that's about. And that's just a part of just having a culture. And that's what we're going to really use this summer to, to build. And so that's the biggest focus, I think, for us, because, you know, we're going to work hard. That's a given. You know, you saw us in the games besides one game where we just kind of just laid on our belly that we play our butts off. And so that's going to happen. That's always going to be there. But now it's about, you know, creating a culture where, you know, the new young guys come in and they're like, looking at us and they're like, okay, well, this is, this is how we do things. And that's, that's it. I love it. What do you think was maybe the, the biggest surprise or um, revelation of playing for, for coach Woodson, right? You're, you come into this situation, you're like coming from Northwestern and not only are you a Hoosier now, but you've got somebody who just spent 25 years coaching in the NBA showed up compared to your expectations. What, what sort of did you take away from, from what, what he really had to teach or to share? Yeah. Well, he's got his, you know, especially defensively there's it's what he, what he does is simple, but it's, it's, uh, it's not easy. You know, there's, there's, can you explain that a little bit? Well, it's very simple. You have to be in certain spots when the ball's in place in certain places, but it's simple, but I wouldn't say it's easy because if it was easy. Then obviously everybody would be doing it. There'd never be any mess ups or anything like that. So um, it's simple in the fact that um, you're in these spots and you have certain responsibilities, but at the same time, you've got to think that, okay, well, ball's over there. My guy's right here. If he does this, I'm doing this. If he does that, I'm doing this for this guy. And so there's just a certain level of kind of, uh, I guess. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That you kind of have to have um, to where 
you and everybody else on the floor is knows where you are and where you're supposed to be, you know, because that's where I think the best defensive games we've had are when we do a great job scouting, which we always do. And, but I know where, you know, X is on defense. I know where I'm closing out on this guy. I know I've got two guys over here, so I'm going to shade a little bit over, you know, towards them and they're going to be in their whatever to be able to help me. And so the best games I think we've had defensively are where everybody we're in the spots, but we're thinking a play or a pass ahead. You know, we're not, we're not paralyzed by watching the ball and then the ball moves and then it's like, Oh crap. Now it's too late. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've took taken away is that, you know, he's very, very, you know, stern on, on what he, he wants us to do and is immovable in that. And it's about, um, you know, learning it and then, you know, trying to perfect it. Look, we will get to offense because that's obviously, you know, a big part of the reason why you were brought into Indiana was to, to make shots and, and you did that in various games, but I'm sure that there were games that you wish you would have performed better. Um, but I want to talk about stay on defense for a second because Warden, I talked about this in our last uh, well, we did a thing with Jeff Rabjohns where we talked about how Indiana's defense went last year from 12th in the Big Ten, 12th of 14 teams in the 2021 season, to number one in 21-22. Elite, yeah. top 25 defense in the country. You know, highest ranking for Indiana defensively in years. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone that showed the progression of defense more than you and Trace, truthfully. Trace was unlocked on defense too. But your progression from the beginning of the season, and I would say even from your time at Northwestern, to the kind of defensive player that you were at the end of the year was a remarkable transformation. I, do you look at it like that as well? Yeah, yeah definitely. And I appreciate you saying that because I worked at it hard. Mm. Yeah. And, and what was that like for you? Because it's such a, you know, it wasn't the primary thing that you were brought in for yeah but to stay on the court especially when the shots aren't falling you better get your ass in gear on defense and you did how did you go from where yeah. you started to where you ended well a lot of it is is just you know thinking the right way and and, and understanding the, the the defense we we were playing and knowing that where you know i needed to be at all times and so that's part of it but also uh, I mean, I got to give so much credit to coach Fife. I mean, he helped so much in that as in that aspect of just challenging me every single day to guard. And I knew when I did so, you know, he'd give me some pointers and some stuff, you know, not too much information to, to overload me, but um, just like two or three things. And, and I mess up and I just look at him and I just be like, and he'd know that I messed up and I know as soon as I did it, um, and so he was, he was definitely really big on me on challenging me to, to really guard and, 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 uh, you know, do the little things that, um, that nobody really sees on defense, especially in preparation, um, and, you know, preparing to guard a guy. So it, uh, explain that to us. What does it mean to prepare to guard a guy? Yeah. Well, you go into a game with, uh, you know, a matchup pretty much, you know, it's like, okay, well, well, if you're starting really, you know, you know, you're starting out on this guy you're starting out on Sasha Stepanovich, you know? So it's like, okay, well, you know, he comes off a bunch of pin downs. He comes off staggers. He comes off, you know, screen, the screener action. You're getting screened by Zach Eady and Travion. And, you know, you know, all these guys are coming for him and he'll, you know, 
play possum and then boom, he's gone. And so you see all this film and you, you watch a bunch of games. And what I do is I go on synergy and I just watch, a, um, like their shot attempts mm. and I'll watch like their last 20 to 50, you know, 20 to 30, you know, shot attempts and kind of how they're getting their shots, where they're kind of, most of them are coming from, because, you know, a lot of times they shoot from the, you know, people shoot from the same spots every game, mm. you know? So, um, you know, you just look at film and kind of see how guys are coming off screens or where they, you know, what their tendencies are and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So it's really just like a good amount of film and then, you know, tendencies because every player individually has tendencies and it's just about figuring those out and kind of under, you know, recognizing them in the game, which is, uh, you know, the biggest thing. Well, uh, real said- quick, real quick word, just so for, so everybody understands when you talk about synergy, synergy is a software program that yeah. basically has, every game and every play by every team in college. Yeah. And you can go on that system and organize the clips by player, by type of play, by moment in the game, so yeah. that you can really like organize all of Sasha's pin downs and yeah. watch them back to back to back to back to get a yeah. sense of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now you can see everything. You can go down to the point possession and one dribble, two dribble, all that stuff. That's great. So yeah. you, you said uh, a large key to the success was knowing where you needed to be. But correct me if I'm wrong, y- you were also very vocal in letting yeah. other people know where they needed to be too. How important is that for you to be communicating on the court what's supposed to be happening just to make sure you're all together? Oh, it's huge. If you're not talking, then you're you're losing. It's as simple as that because, you know, especially on defense, it's – you got to let everybody know where, you know, where you are, you know, cause that, cause that'll help them, you know, change how they're positioned or playing or uh, whether they can be more aggressive or this or that, especially in ball screens, you know, you got to be loud and yell out screens and call switches and stuff. So, uh, you know, a lot of that is just knowing also, yeah, where I'm supposed to be, but also, you know, where everybody else is supposed to be and kind of what could happen and, um, you know, things happen on the fly that you don't really plan for and you don't really see coming, but if it does, then you got to yell and scream to somebody that, that, um, you know, something's happening. And there's been times where, I mean, your voice doesn't mean a darn thing because like, if we're playing, for example, we played it, uh, when we played Purdue at home, um, you know, they ran out this play for Sasha that we went over and me and race were like, all right, uh, we're switching it. Like, his guy came, set a pin down and uh, no, Sasha was, was setting a back screen on race and then coming off a screen from Edie. And we like went over it. We were like, all right, dude, we're switching it. Like we're switching it. And he's like, okay, we got, I got it. And so it's so loud. It's more like a late, late clock in the possession. And I see the play coming. Sasha's under the basket races at the elbow Sasha's coming up the screen and I'm screaming, but I'm, I'm screaming switch, but I might as well have been like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea cause his back's turned and he's like watching. And then, you know, race is physical. So, you know, he feels a bump and he's like, boom, and like bumps into him and is like still looking at his guy. And I'm like, dude, we are supposed to switch. And, um, after but after the game and even in the timeout or whatever he was like bro like i just didn't hear you and i was like you're right i didn't even hear myself 
So <laughs> it was, uh, and then they did it again and we got it. So it was like one of those things where, um, and he even said, he was like, dude, like, I can't hear you sometimes. Like when it gets so loud, but just shove me. And so, you know, there are times when that happens. And so he's, uh, I mean, he's so great to play with. So, uh, but there's things like that where it's just, sometimes your voice doesn't work. So you got to just throw somebody in the right position and, and, you know, that type of deal. So that was, uh, and it wasn't even race's fault. It was just the way things happen. It's just kind of just uh, pretty funny. By the way, in two games against Purdue, where you guarded Sasha Stefanovic for the majority of the time, Sasha went six of 19 from the field. Like, I mean, that guy's one of the best shooters and shot makers that Purdue has had in years that that's been around the big 10. And he went six of 19. We won one of the games and the other game, truthfully, we had our chances to win that game. And then there was a blown defensive assignment at the end of the game that gave them a wide open yeah. layup. Well, he didn't, hate. he didn't make a three on me. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Hey, part of why you wanted to come to Indiana was, was not, not just for the opportunity. They need a shooter. It like makes sense. It's like you got what being a Hoosier was about. Um, yeah. And nothing is more uh, emblematic um, defining of being a Hoosier than playing in those rivalry games against Purdue, which have not been that competitive lately. So for you, in terms of fulfilling this idea of being a Hoosier, I mean, what were both in Bloomington and up in that armpit known as West Lafayette? Was that everything you signed up for? Yeah, it was awesome. And more. It was so awesome, especially going in at, to Purdue last game of the year after we had beat them. It was like, I mean, come on, this is such a great feeling. I mean, you're walking in and getting booed and we, it was funny because even the first time we played, um, we played Purdue. I, uh, you know how you warm, we're warming up at half court or whatever the bigs are doing their thing. And then, um, you know, the guards are at half court doing some ball handling and they're doing like layup lines and like, you know, big Zach eating, you know, tall guy. And I go, and I'm just joking to Leo. I go, dude, he's not even that tall. <laughs> and, and Leo's like, yeah, dude, not at all. <laughs> and um, obviously we're joking, but uh, right, right. it was just like one of those things where the, the game is so surreal, but at the same time, it's still just a game you still get on the court with those guys and it's just another player. But when you look around and you see, and you feel the energy, then you're brought back to this is, this is, this is something else. You, you, um, the year before there were no fans, obviously you played in front of no fans. You had the benefit of playing in assembly hall with a rock in Indiana crowd in yep. your days at Northwestern. But obviously the Purdue game was a moment but was there any, were there other moments earlier in the year where you're wearing the candy stripes and you walked out onto that court and you go, oh yeah, this is, this is why I came here. Did that happen early on for you? Well, it definitely did. It really could have, it really was like one of the, I think it really was one of the first games, honestly. I mean, I can't pinpoint one right. besides that Purdue game really. Uh, but it was, it was uh, really just, being a part of it. it but but honestly it took it took me it took me you know three to four games to where I, I wasn't 
I wasn't used to it. I was like, I was like, really, is this, is this it? Is this how it is? Is this what it's supposed to feel like? And because, you know, I'm used to Northwestern for three years, something else and something totally different that like playing in a library. Well, I'm not going to say that, but I'll say it. Uh, no, but it's just, <laughs> there's not that, there's not that history. So, right. Um, and that, that following. And so, you know, it took me a while to kind of settle in with the fact that, okay, this is it. Like, this is, this is what it is. It's, it's funny to think that even at your level, not that not, you didn't use the word nerves or anything, but you played in a lot of big arenas. You know, you've played a lot of highly competitive basketball, but you're a human being and you're a young man. And it does still take a minute to just get acclimated yeah. to the, when you walk into assembly hall, there is a feeling fans feel it too. Yeah. There is, you feel like you're part of something special as yeah. a fan, as a coach, as a player. And that does affect things. It has to, yeah. and you either embrace it or it crushes you truthfully. Yeah, it can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and let's to talk about the season. It's like you you had some high highs there with with beating Purdue, um, but it was it was definitely a roller coaster of the uh, of a season. And maybe uh, you know, totally by coincidence, when you're back in Northwestern, there's a very pivotal event, you know, yeah. and the suspension ultimately of of five players for that game. Were you starting to have any doubts about the season, if it could come together? Because you're in the middle of what ends up being like a five-game losing stretch right there, too. Did, yeah. did, did you start to have doubts? And, and then ultimately, how important was it that that message was sent back up in Evanston? Well, that was probably the most emotional game I've ever played in my life. Wow. Ever. Ever. And I couldn't, I couldn't prepare for it or understand kind of – you know, contemplate kind of what it, what it meant and what it was going to feel like. Mm -hmm. um, even shoot around was a little weird. And, you know, after, you know, we, we found out that, um, you know, those guys were going to be suspended. It was still a little weird, but I was still kind of just in my own world of just like, Oh, Holy crap. Like this is, you know, I was thinking of, you know, when I committed here of dang, I'm going back like super excited and like, didn't know what to expect but then i was back there and i'm like holy like what am i what is this and so um it just I, I i it was definitely the most emotional just the hardest game i've ever had to play just because i'm playing against my two best friends i'm playing against mm. you know, in this you know place that um i gave so much to but just absolutely like they were that was a great crowd by them yeah, but it was just they were just hateful and just all that stuff, which I've dealt with for for my whole career. But it's just like you have guys on court side, you know, yelling and cussing you out. It's like, dude, you used to cheer for me last year and now you're cursing me out. And so uh, it's just stuff like that where I was like, I'm just trying to play a basketball game against my best friends, and my old coaches. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to have to worry about any of this other stuff. And so. Um, it was just, it was just surreal. It was so wild. And after the game, I was just, cause we lost. And I mean, I didn't, obviously that was the last thing I ever wanted to happen. So, uh, I was super emotional, but, uh, you know, we ended up making it, making it through. So, so, but there were kind of two major things happening at that game. One is your personal story. Yep. And I, 
do you feel looking back at it now with some perspective, do you feel like you weren't able to put that emotion aside or channel it correctly to give yourself the best chance to be productive in the game? We'll start with there. Do you, do you wish you would have handled it? Look, you're a human being. Like this is what we talk about so much on this is like, you guys are humans. You're not robots. You're not just stat providers. You are humans and emotion matters. And that was clearly an emotional situation. So when you look at it now, was it a learning experience on, on being in that charge of an environment and how can you compartmentalize things? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, but also at the same time, I was, um, you know, because of the, the just crazy circumstances of the game that we had as a team. Right. That, that was the second changed, thing going on. Yeah. That changed obviously the, how the game was played on yes. our end. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was tough for me too, because I'm like, all right, well, we got this thing going. We're going to, we're going to do this. We, you know, we got all this stuff going on. And, and now for this one game, it's just a total switch up. And so now for us that for that game, it was about staying out of foul trouble and, you know, playing slow and playing it, keeping it inside. That was it. That was and it. For them. You knew it was with Parker out and Xavier yeah. out. It was just guard Miller. Like on yeah. the perimeter, don't yeah. let him go anywhere because yeah. there was no other real threat that they exactly. were worried about. Yeah. And so um, that that just totally threw a curveball and everything we were doing. I mean, the game was what, in the 50s? Yeah. And it was so, not a pretty game to watch. Oh, no way. And then not a pretty game to play. And so <laughs> we, uh, that really just threw a wrench in, in, uh, in kind of the style of play. So that for me personally, it was frustrating just because like, I was like, man, I can't, you know, do all this stuff and, you know, what that I'm normally doing. Right. Now, I do, I want to stay on this word for just a second, unless you, did you have something on this? No. I just wanted to ask, was there any part of you coming out of that, five players did something that got them suspended? You know, Trace came on our show and talked a little bit about that, that Trace and Race kind of made the decision like, no, suspend them all. Cause you know, there was some discrepancy on who Woody knew did something. There were two at first and then there were another three and trace and race took responsibility and said, no, suspend them all. We have to send the message, but it's very easy from the outside looking in to think, well, the players that didn't do something would resent the five players that did and, and feel like you guys let us down. Like I I'm talking about how I would view it or I could see it being viewed. Uh-huh but you're a team that has to fit it, put it together for the rest of the season. Yeah. Was that a difficult thing for you to get over as just a guy that got caught up in it, that that wasn't involved in what the five guys did, but was affected by it? I think for me, it was more, uh, it was obviously the game meant so much to me that it meant, it it meant more to me. Right. Uh, The game meant more to me, I think, than anybody, the staff, than anybody in the stands. And so that, you know, there's, there's a couple ways of looking at it to where, you know, no one's thinking of, no one's thinking of me more than I'm thinking of myself of like, you know, no one's thinking like, okay, I'm going to, I'm doing everything or um, leading up to this, this week, this game week for Northwestern, you know, I'm doing everything for Miller. Like no one's thinking like that. You know, yeah, they everybody wants to win. It's like when we play Minnesota, you know, race going back home. Like we we're understanding of like, you know what, we want to get this one for race. But um, you know, at the, or you could look at it as like, you know, people are just, you know, whether it was like 
somebody was just thinking of themselves and not doing this or that. And it, it's, it's, of course, at the end of the game, I was hurt by the fact that we lost, but I also, there's some, you know, emotions of like, man, like, come on guys. Like, like not like blaming anybody, but it was like, it just meant so much to me. It, it wasn't, I wasn't hurt by them. I was just hurt by the fact that we lost at all. And, and there was no, there's no resentment or anything. Um, but it was just like, I was more hurt by the fact that we lost than anything at all. Somebody who's now been mentioned several times and because he said he was coming back so early on in the process this year, I think it's really been taken for granted that race is coming back. But how huge is it for this team that race is coming back? And and what does he mean to you personally as, as a teammate? Yeah, well, me and race go back. I mean, we were teammates at the NBA Top 100 camp um, in high school. And so not many people know that. So we were on the same team. And so it's funny now. It's full circle. We're going to be uh, roommates this year. So. Uh, uh, so that'll be fun. And, and, and really, and I respect him so much just because of how he, how he works and how he, um, how bad he wants to win. Um, and you really can see it with how he plays and, and how he, um, uh, really will play through anything, um, any injury, any Nick, Nick or whatever he'll, uh, uh, do whatever he can to, to, to win. And so, uh, you know, that was a big thing, even, you know, going back to Northwestern, it was, you know, he really, you know, I was on the bus just in down in the dumps and, you know, he comes up and sits down and, and, and is talking to me and, and uh, you know, Trace as well, just about like how, hey, our season's not over. And so, you know, there's moments like that, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, you get closer to guys, you, you get closer to, to your teammates, your brothers through the in the lows, you know, not the highs, mm. it's in the lows. And so, um, you know, you know, I, I can't you know, have enough respect and, and uh, you know, love for that guy. All right. So let's turn the microscope on a little bit to the season as a whole. When we had you on before you arrived in Bloomington, I think you were at your parents' place down in Houston and we had you on the podcast. One of your goals was, I want to be the best three-point shooter in the country. Uh-huh. And there were games where you looked like the best three-point shooter in the country. And there were many other games where you didn't. And, yeah. and I know you a little bit and have gotten to know you. And I know that no one was more hard on you than you when it came to the overall shooting percentage, how many shots you were getting, all that kind of stuff. So when you look back at the season, you've got some distance away from it now. Can you pinpoint one or two reasons why you think it didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go? And how do you deal with it moving forward? and just get better because all that matters is getting better. Cause you've got a special season potentially lying in front of you. Yeah. Well, you know, taking a step back from the season, you know, it's, it's, you always got to take some time to just reflect and, and uh, you know, think about some things, and um, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, it was about um, obviously there were some, there were some ups there were some downs or some great games or some games where I just was like, dang, like, sucks and <laughs> then you know but but through that you kind of learn about yourself and you kind of learn um for me it was about learning what the team needed for me um in each game you know because each game it changed i felt like mm-hmm. um you know and and like you said one thing you know i could really focus on too every possession was defense and so um 
you know, that's something that I try to do, but also, you know, offensively, you know, I felt like the games that I had big games were, you know, I, I had to be, you know, super opportunistic um, about when I, you know, when and where I was getting shots and I still can be and uh, need to be, um, you know, better with that. But also, you know, a lot of it I felt like wasn't, um, you know, I don't have the ball in my hands, you know, and so I'm not the point guard. I don't want to be. That's not, not my job. I don't want to have to do all that stuff. Um, but, you know, game to game, you know, sometimes there'll be, you know, times where you don't have control over, you know, the guy not leaving you in the corner, you know, the guy who's right. got his hand on your chest, the whole possession. And so there's some things where, um, you know, sometimes it's, you're, you know, you're being used as a decoy that to create space for Trace to get an ISO or to create space for, you know, to be a screener for, um, you know, Parker to where they don't know if they're going to switch or not, or this or that. So, um, for me, it was about like, it was less about having like plays run for me or this or that, um, you know, cause I can't control that. But at the same time, when I did get those opportunities, I felt like I made the most of them. And, um, in terms of like the overall, you know, number shooting percentage, all that stuff. I think a lot of that was um, being comfortable with team, with the shots that I was getting, with the, um, you know, kind of flow of the game of, of kind of what I was uh, being asked to do. And so that kind of reflected on, on that in some areas. I mean, for, for a good amount of the year, I was up at 40%. And then, you know, you have a stretch of some tough games where you play some good guys and, you know, it's tough when, uh, you know, I'm never, never have, and never will complain about getting shots, but, um, you know, when you, as a shooter, if you're looking at like Max Struess or Duncan Robinson, you know, cause they're, you know, they just play, yeah. you know, their Struess is getting up. If he, if he's getting up nine, nine a right. game, which I'm not asking for nine shots. I'm not asking for any shots, but as a shooter, you know, if he, if he stops shooting at two or three, you never really know what he's um, right. Maybe he'll make the next five. And I'm not saying that's me at all, but you know, there are times when I did feel like I kind of got, uh, I just let it fly a little more. I felt like more comfortable within the game, within the flow of um, you know, what was happening. And so um, I think a lot of that was just getting used to uh, and comfortable with what I was being asked to do. And if I could just add to that something that Ward had said earlier, we know that the emphasis was on defense from a team perspective more than it was on oh. offense, especially at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I've said this before. I mean, the offense overall just sucked for a while. I mean, it just did. It just was not pretty. It was not free flowing. And you could tell Xavier was struggling with what the offense was supposed to be, you yeah. know, as the point guard, it wasn't free flowing. Everybody was kind of struggling. Uh -huh. But then something did happen the last third of the season, it seemed like. And maybe it was even a little less. Maybe it was the last quarter of the season yeah. where things did seem to open up more. You were getting more wide-open looks in the corner. That yeah. Purdue game, the Michigan game at the end, you were hitting big shots and the ball was moving. Yeah. Did That was just like Ward and I would talk about it, that it seemed to change. But did something change structurally? near the end of the year that allowed for more flow or was it just comfort? I think a lot of it was comfort, you know, with everybody, 
you know, not just with me, but I think X made a huge jump um, in, in his play, especially in the pick and roll, which is, you know, what coach Woody always harps on with him is just, you know, making the right reads and being good in, in the pick and roll. So I think he made a huge jump in making the right reads. And I mean, you saw when we played Iowa, the amount of just dunks that he got trace and, yeah. just, you know, pulling the ball and all that stuff. So he, he made a big jump and, and, and that back part of the year too. So um, I think that was big because, you know, he gets so fast, he gets down in the lane and um, you know, really just, you know, creates a lot of opportunities, but you know, that back, you know, like you said, quarter of the year, I think it was, everybody was at the point where it's like, all right, well, I think, we, we felt, we felt ready to just like go and, and more comfortable with what we were doing. And, and, uh, it was less about, um, uh, I don't know if there were any like certain structural changes, but I think we all just kind of really started coming together better. Well, you had three new guys, new starters, including yourself. I think, you know, everybody was we just couldn't really see where that offense was going. I think until it started to click for X yeah. and then it all started to click. And that's why yeah. coach Woodson has put so much emphasis and effort into getting coach uh, X into that spot. You know, yeah. the defense had been there, you know, uh, you kind of pulled your guys your, yourself out of the slump. Yeah. After the, the Northwestern game and a couple more yeah. losses after that, um, but still lost a couple close ones right at the end of the season. So, so now we're getting to the infamous, halftime of the Michigan game, right? Uh-huh. Where yeah. where everything seems to click. What's your perspective on what happened in that locker room, what happened coming out of that locker room that really changed the narrative for the entire season and trajectory of the program? Well, I mean, we got smacked the first half. It was just bad. And like Trace said, I'm on your, on your podcast, he was like, you know, coach, what didn't even yell at us? And he's not going to yell at us at halftime like that, because it's just like, we know what we're supposed to do. Like we know we're not supposed to be down seven or 20 or whatever the heck we were down, you know? And it's just like one of those things where we were all just like looking around, like, well, we got 20 minutes to figure this thing out. This is whether it's going to go up or go down we got 20 minutes just to, to, to do what we do. And then, you know, little by little, I think we pieced it together and, and got the win, but um, I think everybody was so consumed with leaving that gym with a win that they forgot about everything else, hmm. literally everything else. And I know myself, like, I don't even remember what I was thinking during the game, but I know I was just like, like a, like a late, my laser beam eyes were just like locked in everywhere. <laughs> and like you were uh, in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Just with everything. But it felt like the team was like, that's, yeah. that's what was remarkable about. Yeah. Cause I, I went back and watched it a week ago. Yeah. What's funny is the lead extended in the second half to 17 no. with mm-hmm. about 12 minutes left. No. Like that's where it clicked. And yeah. you, you had one of the biggest shots of the season. You know, obviously, finishing shot against Purdue is going to win biggest shot of the year, oh, but yeah. but you had a huge corner three that I think cut the lead to one from yeah. four to one, yeah. and that's when it felt like this is ours now. Like you know, when it goes from two possessions down to you are basically tied, 
And it just felt like the whole team was locked in. It's, it's interesting to hear oh, you yeah. say that that is what it felt like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't speak for everybody else, but you know, you could, like you said, you could see it from everybody, you know, on the team and on the bench too. It was, uh, it was, it was electric and the fans and they were wild. I mean, it was loud and we <laughs> love that too. And, and, and I think, um, you know, it, it just put, puts more pressure on Michigan. I think. You, you know, what's funny, Miller, um, I was in the Bahamas. I watched those games and I remember seeing you in that first game. Cause then you got hurt in the second game pretty early on. Yeah. But in that first game, you had an incredible game in the Bahamas and you were so, you were having so much fun. Yeah. Like you were the th calling the threes afterwards. You were running up and down the court with a smile. And then when we got into the slog of the season, it seemed mm -hmm. like, that smile went away for a little bit mm -hmm. and it did seem like it came back in that Michigan game. Um, it came back in that Purdue game too, as a team, but that Michigan game, that second half, it did seem like it came back for everyone. And it, it seemed like it existed there for you, for trace, it extended to the Illinois game and it extended to the Iowa game. Iowa was an excellent basketball team and we should have beaten them. Like we played really good basketball and you guys played really good basketball at Purdue really good basketball at Purdue. Did it feel like that from a, a season standpoint that the fun came back a little at the end? Well, the season is so long. There's so many ups and downs. I mean, you talk about, you know, our defense was the one thing that was steady all year. Yeah. And then, you know, you talk about, you know, the offense, the offense was not great at times. And it's That's funny. You think like, <laughs> and, you, and you think like, okay, well, you know, if the offense isn't great, then probably some of the, players aren't playing great offense too. And there's probably some correlation with that. And so there's that. And then guys get, you know, messed up when you lose some games. And so there's just a, a, a mixture of just things that happen and it's probably snowing. It's winter. It's cold. Right. <laughs> and, and no, but you, you go it's, through the it li literally snowballs. Well, figuratively snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go through these, these like periods of time where it's just, wait, wait a minute. Ward, what was wrong with that metaphor? <laughs> One, it was cheesy. And then two, you set it up as literal instead of figurative. But then I, I corrected myself. Well, I, I know, but the damage was done. <laughs> I mean, oh, with friends like these. <laughs> All right. It. Sorry. Interrupted you. No, no, no. But you just go through those, those periods of time where it's, it's, it's tough. And, and what you really have to focus on is not letting it spiral out of control. Let's just say I could have said small. that was cool. <laughs> spiral spirals, cool. uh, but really, really just you got a nip it in the butt and ours was you know, nip it in the butt of five games instead of, you know, six, seven, eight right. easily happen. And so, um, you know, I think when we got in that tournament, it was, it was, a, it was new life. You know, it was new. It was a new season really. Mm for us and for everybody and everybody's at zero, zero. I gave you the chance to talk about some of this stuff and you didn't because you're too much of a stud and I'm going to say some of it and you can talk about as much of it as you want to or not. But we talked about this with trace too. And I did the same thing with trace trace went through some injury stuff that no one had any idea about because Indiana guards injury stories, like they're guarding world war two coats. I mean, uh, it's yeah. just insane. I've never understood it. I don't think it keeps an advantage against the, def the the team you're playing. 
you went through a whole bunch of crap this year. I mean, yeah. look, hopefully I'm not talking out of school, but at one point you sent me a picture of your foot that looked like you were in a Hollywood movie and they did special effects to give you a foot that was four times the size of your normal foot oh, and yeah. you played on it. Yeah. Um, you had a bunch of injuries that you were going through that coincided with some of those slumps we talk about. And yet you showed up for every game and you started every game, which I know you take great pride in. And I'm sorry if I'm like exposing your man card here by talking about these injuries, but not at all, but how difficult were those injuries and how frustrating was it for you that those were coming at kind of inopportune times? Yeah. Well, the tough part is you can't, control it you know there's only so much you can do and so when that stuff happens I mean there's all you can do is just fight through it and just play I mean or not play but I mean that's never an option for me I mean I've I had to miss I miss I think for that foot deal I had I've missed you know maybe one practice and I was sitting there just angry and just pissed off because I was missing practice and I'm sitting there watching and getting my foot, you know, worked on. And then, um, you know, but it's just, it's one of those things you can't control, but you can only just try to make the most of them. So there's a bunch of different stuff that, that happened that a bunch of guys went through and whether it was just like, you know, illness or this or that, I mean, it just, that foot thing though, that was not, you thought it was athlete's foot. It wasn't athlete's foot. No, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was, it was something way worse than that. <laughs> and yeah. so it, it got, it got bad. And so I was worried there for a second that it was like infected or something, but it was fine, but it actually happened. Uh, not happened. It was after Syracuse game uh, that I started feeling it. Mm. And it was like when we were warming up and I didn't care to look at my, you know, my foot, I'm like, oh, it's probably like a little blister or something. And like a week and a half later, we already we played another game, and then I looked down, I'm like, holy crap, it's just not good. I got like a hole in my foot, and uh, and then it just got worse and worse, and so it just like hurt to walk and cut and plant and all that stuff. So it, it was uh, it's just one of those things I never thought of, but it happened, and I just played through it. What had not happened in a very long time at Indiana University, and I think never at Northwestern, was hearing your name called on Selection Sunday. What was it like for that to finally happen for you and with those guys in the locker room watching that happen? It was amazing. Um, but for the record, it happened once at Northwestern, not for me, though. Uh, when, what, when was it? It was, like, 2016. Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, 2016. It was Collins. It was Chris Collins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, I remember because my Northwestern friend talked shit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, you know, we were all there. We had, the, you know, the the watch party and stuff. And we're all just sitting in chairs waiting. And it took forever. And, um, you know, but it also was like a, a kind of a letdown. You know, we had a, we got a playing game. Right. And we felt like we put ourselves and we played such great basketball the last – um, you know, last five, six games that, you know, you think we were, we were expecting something else and we got a playing game and it's like, we kind of, we all cheered, but at the same time we were like scratching our head, like these, these, like these guys are, are these guys must not respect us or whatever. And so we kind of took it as, as, um, as motivation. And so 
it was, it was kind of like, you hear your name and you, you're like cheer. And then your mind immediately goes to like who we're playing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you're locked in. You're like, all right, here we go. Like, this is it. And, um, because we were like, okay, either we, if we get a playing game, we're going to fly out like tomorrow morning. And then, you know, if we don't, we got like two days, two, three days, we got the playing game. So we're like, Holy crap. Like we bring it in and it's like, all right, family on three, one, two, three, family, boom. See you tomorrow morning, 8 AM. It's like, that's it. That's all we got. Um, and then our assistant coaches are like, all right, Wyoming, they're out they're all watching film and stuff. Um, so it's just, it was, it was really cool, but it was also one of those things where I think it was different than we all had expected because it was kind of, we felt slighted, uh, you know, definitely. Um, you talked about that the Northwestern game was not a pretty game to play in that Wyoming game was not a pretty game to watch. Where, where does that rank on the pretty scale of playing in? It's gotta be a zero. <laughs> straight fugly <laughs> it was bad well the way they played they post their point guard posted up every possession 20 dribbles every I'd never, possession i'd never seen anything like it i mean I, I i mean i'd be on the bench like watching this guy just post up and i'd be like is he really doing this right now like i know it was crazy it was like an old man at the ymca who just I mean, backs that, you down without a shot clock that kid knew how to he knew how to i think that's probably all he does in the summer is just post up and just go to work because he's good at it. But it just, that they, that was their game is play slow, make it ugly and not let us kind of get out of transition and, and do what we want to do. So uh, they, they made it as much as their game as they could, but, you know, ended up pulling it out. Cause I think we were just a better team, but um, yeah, that was. Do you, do you, do you want to talk about Portland at all? Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. There's not really much to talk about, you know. We could talk about the TikToks from the plane. We could talk about that, or we could talk about like the fact that our game was overshadowed by Kentucky losing. So yes, yes, yes. Well, look, no one even no one even thought about us because they lost. So it was the, the real headline from from our game involved cheerleaders. Yeah, it did that kind of that kind of burns, but either <laughs> way, it's uh, <laughs> good for them, you know. Look, I'm just saying that the the woman cheerleader who we had on the podcast, that woman's going to like cure cancer. She's like studying neuroscience. She, I mean, she's a genius and she saved the day with the basketball. I mean, she's just, she, you may want to get to know her is all I'm saying. All right. I will. That's it. I mean, I don't know what the rules are for fraternizing with the cheerleaders, but um, let's get rules. Let Ward, did you have something you want to talk about the season? I was going on a total tangent. I was going to go look ahead. I was going to look ahead to next season. All right, let's look ahead. Miller, what does success look like for you individually and for the team next season? Well, I think success, they, they, I think they go hand in hand. You know, I just want to, I'm not going to throw out a number or numbers or percentages or this or that, but I think success for me is feeling, um, feeling really contributing, um, in a, in an important way in, um, uh, in a winning season of, you know, a big 10 title mm. big 10 tournament title and then national title. That's it. That's, it's not like we have any, 
you know, like we're scared to say it, like Woody doesn't, you know, he doesn't run from it. It's that's what he's here for. And that's what we're here for too. And so to have those expectations and really just those goals, it's pretty awesome, but it's, uh, you know, it carries a lot of weight and, uh, it's not to be, um, you know, take it for granted. No, not at all. Can you bring us inside the room a little bit in your postseason meeting with the coaches? I assume you met with Woody in some way before, you know, you took off or, or before spring stuff began. What, what was, and we're not asking for you to divulge any confidences here or break any, but what was the tenor of the conversation and, and was there specific stuff said that was helpful to you as it led into the off season? Uh, well, it was pretty early after the season, but um, you know, overall it was mainly just asking what I thought about the season. Um, hmm. You know, what, what I think I can improve on what he thinks. Uh, you know, I asked him what he thought of my, my year. And, uh, I just kind of talked about that kind of just a casual conversation about, um, you know, my, my year and the team's year and what we're, what, what we're going to look like next year and kind of how, how I fall into that, that, um, you know, that role and that piece. So, um, it was a good conversation, but also there's, you know, so much time to where it just kind of gives me a little direction about what I, what I, you know, need to do. But at the same time, it's all, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's, he just dropped the bomb on me that, that Holy crap, coach. Right. You're going to tell me I'm like going to be a five man or something. No, it was, <laughs> it was uh, nothing like that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Just circling back real quick, because I am fascinated by the psychology of it. It'd be like success is winning a big 10 title, big 10 tournament championship and a national title. How much, is there like a visualization there? Is there a visualization of raising the sixth banner? Because we know you don't get to any of those three things, you and the entire team and the coaching staff, without just grinding on the details every day and getting better every moment to get to that. But where besides saying it on a podcast, where does that that goal, that stated goal actually serve you where, where where like when you're lying down in bed at night and waking up in the morning do you think of it and then go to work and then think about it again when you get back at night well i think it's one of those things where it's like it's stated it's all understood by everybody you know everybody knows that's the goal and then we come in every day you know it's not like we are running sprints and we're like oh big big dead title <laughs> like we're like we're doing bench with coach cliff and we're like <laughs> Special title. <laughs> Count the banners for the reps. Yeah. It's like, all right, six reps for another. It's like, no, no, we're not doing that. It's like, but it's, it's definitely, it's in the back of our minds to where, you know, we bring it in and we look up and we're like, okay, this is, this is what we got. This is what we're trying to do. You do, you do that. You bring it in and you guys look up there. Yeah. A lot, you know, a good amount of the time. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Dave Portnoy. So you have a, a little bit of a history with him. He had interviewed you when he was in Bloomington. Yeah. Then you had a play. I can't remember the exact game, but you drove to the bucket. It's Michigan against Michigan. You drove to the bucket, and instead of dunking, you finger-rolled it. You put it in, and he gave you crap online and tweeted out that 
you know, he acted like he didn't know who you were and then said, like, he insulted your vertical leap. Absolutely did. And then you responded with clipping out some footage of him playing basketball that is the funniest clip of anyone playing yeah. basketball ever because it looks like an alien came down to earth and was told in that moment here's what basketball is yep. now try and oh, yeah. then he had you on his podcast yep um so what's the relationship with portnoy are you a fan of barstool it seems so counter to who you are truthfully yes. but what's your relationship and uh and did that serve you well on your social media following well, it definitely served me well, that's for sure. Because I think I, uh, at least I know, I I definitely just crushed him on Twitter. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think the IU fan base really had my back on that one. So shout out to Hoosier Nation. Uh, yes. But no, he just made that video and I got back to the bus, like games hype. You know, I'm like, let's go. And we get back to the bus, you get your cell service back because you're under the, in the tunnel. And I, I get a text from my friend. I'm like, check, he said, check Twitter, dude, Portnoy. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy talking about, I look at Twitter. I go to Dave Portnoy's Twitter and I see the video and I listen to it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so then my mind immediately goes like, all right, what do I got to say? I mean, I got to respond. And so then, you know, a shout out to my guy, Nate at 1031. He, I, I was like, I sent him the video clip of the, um, of where they're playing basketball and he clipped up like two of them or, and then I'm like, all right, well, you got to add some more. And then he did the rest and I'm like, okay, this is golden. And I'm, and I didn't say anything. I just put it up there and I got like 8 million impressions or something and wow. just something crazy. And then he actually came at me again on the, uh, Illinois game, another video. And again, I just, just ratioed him on, on Twitter, which I didn't even know what that means, but like yeah, someone, you did someone was like, dude, ratio. And I was like, all right, got it. <laughs> that got like 5 million impressions. And so I was like, Hey, I guess I just own this guy on Twitter. But, uh, uh, then I ended up, yeah, I ended up on his podcast for like five minutes, maybe uh because big audience big audience to reach on that podcast big audience big audience and so um it just happened real quick he was like hey they you know they dm me and i was like hey you know i'll, I'll get on and so it was like after our team breakfast um and so we had some time to chill and so i like walked outside and got on and then um for a little bit and then i got a text i was like all right we're, it said like we're going to film and then i was like i was like oh okay, okay all right i'll see you guys see you later boom <laughs> and he had he was like flabbergasted and so i guess i guess he's a fan of me uh now and i, I respect the guy and you know, i respect what he's built and uh um you know so all all, all respect to barstool and portland well love it. he certainly um knows his way about uh bloomington eateries i believe yeah. wasn't it nicks that sort of won the day for him yeah, but no, he didn't do the right pizza. No, mother it bears. was uh, mother bears. Yeah, that's what no, I no. He didn't like mother bears because he did the he did the uh, the thin crust. Yeah, and he did yeah. Eric Gordon's pizzeria as well. Oh, okay, okay. But he doesn't know what he's doing. Whoever his producer failed, failed. Yeah. But Miller, you've been there now for yeah. for a while. You've gotten the lay of the land. Let's start. What is your favorite pizza place? It's tough. I'm not usually a crazy big pizza guy, but 
I don't want to. Let's see. You're not going to offend anybody. No, 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 no. You know what? Shout out to my guy X. I'm going to say Pizza X. That's oh. a f- I like that. I mean, look, it is the one pizza that I have every single time I'm back in Bloomington. It may not be the best, but it is the most regular. <laughs> it's available. That's for sure. <laughs> and the breadsticks are the best. They're yeah, sensational. Available. All right. Favorite restaurant, not pizza. Favorite restaurant, not pizza. You know what? I, I really like, I've started to really like um, Social Cantina. I love tacos. Yeah. I've been there one time. It was good. That's my favorite restaurant right now. So okay. I, that's all I can say, probably. All really right. good, Really good tacos. What was your least favorite class this year? It's tough. A lot to pick from. <laughs> oh, see, I got so many good classes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I don't know. I'm going to have to pass on that one. All no, right. you know what? I'm going to be honest. It's the class I'm in right now. It's math. What kind of math? Finite? No, it's, 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 check this out. It's the beauty, it's beauty and decision making math. What? Yeah. Yep. What does that mean? Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, just cause it's math. I'm just not a big math guy. Yeah. All right. Look, you're over 21. Do you have a favorite bar at Indiana? I know you're not like a big drinker or anything, but yeah. do you have a, a favorite bar that you go to and hang out with people? I really can't say. I, I you know what? I like the I like the vibe, and I'm gonna go with the you know the the uh, same Mexican food. I like uh, La Una. Good vibe in there. It's yeah. just they got music going and all right. Uh, um, Nice little nightlife and stuff, but yeah, I'm not a big. That's part. not the one that had the shooting, is it? No. no, no okay. No. All right. Well, well, and speaking of the shooting, did you have fun during Little Five? Yeah, Little Five was good. It was it was really good. Yeah, I had fun. It was funny. I actually, I was actually walking um, from my apartment to meet up with some friends, and you know it's hot out and um, whatever, and and I'm like. Like, you know what? I really don't want to walk this whole way. And I was going to get one of those like bird scooters. Right. Yeah. But none of them were near, like near me, checked on my phone. None of them were near me. So I'm going down the road, just like looking back, you know, I'll see somebody and I see a cop car and I'm like, this guy's somebody's got to give me a ride. And so I like wave the cop. Turns out it's, uh, I know the police officer and just gives me a ride to where I'm going. That was the high, that was the highlight of my of my of my weekend or not of the of the week because it was like he was like hey just like keep your head down like people are gonna think you're actually like yeah. getting yeah. arrested or anything so I was like I was like leaning leaning back That's great game. but we, uh, that was definitely we, the highlight we won't dive into why you knew the police officer we'll just leave that one alone his last um, name is cop I'm a personable person I I talk to anybody I feel like there you go uh, and before we let you go. We got to talk about the hair. You're oh. clearly doing something different with the hair. You've let it grow out a little bit. You're, out. Yeah. You've got some flow going. Is this what we can expect on the court or will you tighten it up when basketball time comes? Definitely going to tighten it up because I'm working out now and it's like, 
it's like kind of getting not not in my eyes i'm not gonna ever let it get there but it's all like my head and i could feel it and i'm like all right this is i was getting mad this morning because i'm like it's my hair it's my hair and so i'm getting a haircut friday so just just what what about a headband have you thought about a headband oh wait not a headband guy yeah yeah i I would have have been a headband guy oh yeah definitely would have been You would have been like a bolt, bolt, like a skull, scully cap guy. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I there... would have done a skull cap, a headband, and a Phantom of the Opera black mask, even though my nose is fine. I like wearing the black Joel Embiid mask. That's what I would go with. I, it's just sure. any piece of paraphernalia that I can add on to it, that's what I'm doing. You would have elbow pads too. You'd have been the enforcer with that. <laughs> yes. Yes. What, Miller, on this hair, though, this length, is there any product in there? Is that? No, no product. All natural. That's, that's nice. That's nice. Oh. Yeah. That it just has that natural lift. Do you blow dry it all there? No, nothing. No product. No, nothing. It's natural. Natural. Some people, some people just just have gifts. Yeah. You guys are making me feel good. I appreciate this. Hey, our pleasure. Okay, and now I'm coming back for round three. well round three will be when we are celebrating a championship yes so miller uh you know how much i like you personally we've gotten to know you over the last year plus gotten to know your family as well uh respect how you go about your business there respect the grind that you put into this game how much you respect indiana the way you represented indiana through this year of ups and downs was nothing if not classy and, and what I would expect, honestly, after meeting you and meeting your parents, um, you represent us so well. We're proud of you. We're rooting like hell for you. We want nothing more than you to be part of a really special team this coming season because you deserve it for the hard work you've put in. So we're behind you. We can't wait to see you when we get there. Probably this summer. We'll see you this summer because awesome. we may be doing something a little fun together in August. So we'll see All about right. that. But thanks again for coming on. You're the man. And make sure Ivy gets some good tummy rubs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was a guest. That was a guest. I'm going to do my typical thing. I love the guy. I mean, I loved him when we talked to him for the first time in Houston a year plus ago when he, it was probably right around a year ago now that we talked to him once he had committed to Indiana. I just love, he's got something to say. He's a thoughtful guy. He's a hard worker. He takes this seriously. He's got a great sense of humor. He's intelligent. He's quick. I just really dig the guy. You're, you're doing it again. It's like what you do at the end of the, the, the guest segment. It's just a litany of everything possibly nice that one could conceive of to say. And then I'm just like, yeah, I agree. So I'm going to go a different way. I don't like the guy. I hope he does terrible this season, and I'm done. <laughs> no, he's 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 such a a well-rounded dude, yeah. you know. Because you've got the athlete, you've got the student, you've got the 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 television producer, you've got the brand creator and manager, you know, it's, and, and he can sit here and really hold his own for 90 minutes on a podcast with, with just having a lot of insight and, and humor and just a, a, a well-rounded human being. What stood out to you the most of anything that he was talking about? Did, did anything particularly stand out to you as he talked about last season specifically? Well, I th- I think it's more looking forward to to the coming season because that's that's like 
that's what it boils down to what we're all here for ultimately. Like, what do you want to take away with from this conversation is evidence that we're going to be even better next year. And so specifically, how is that going to happen with Miller is some of those those actions he's running, getting to know what this offense will provide him and what he can do within that framework that is evolving that will um, hopefully provide him more quality shots and just as one other piece to the puzzle of of winning a national championship. I, and I do. I love that he, you know, he says that publicly as as Woody has come in and established and that they all bring it in at the end of practices and they look up there to where they want to hang the sixth. I, I think it's important that they put it out there like that. I do, too. I, I also loved him talking about the comfortability that it took a minute to get comfortable. It took a minute to get comfortable with being in an environment like Assembly Hall where it means so much. And just his experience at Northwestern was 180 degrees different than that. And so just it being honest with himself that it took him a minute to get comfortable. And then he went through a bunch of stuff and he talked about, he was searching for shots. He mm-hmm. didn't know where shots were going to come from in that, in that offense. And, you know, he didn't use this word, but I think we saw it. He was forcing things at times. Yeah. But he got comfortable, got more comfortable in that last quarter of the year. Everybody got more comfortable. Trace Jackson Davis got more comfortable. You know, race got more comfortable. X, you you brought up X. X got more comfortable. That, to me, is such a big thing leading into this next season. It's just the growing pains don't have to happen. Yeah, and like you said, everybody knows the deal with Coach Woodson now. They're, they're all in. They love the guy. And I do think it, it really is remarkable, the retention. Coach Woodson clearly kept the guys he wanted to keep. He brought in some new studs, and it's like this whole pulling our hairs out. What is the transfer portal going to mean? You know, are you going to lose everybody who didn't start every game? No, like Coach Woody's got these guys really bought in, and they're going to carry over what really how things ended last season on such a high note pre-Portland, and uh, bring in a, uh, four new guys and start coaching them up, both both as the, the players will and the coaching staff literally will coach them up. And and I think it's just feels really good there, you know. And having gotten to talk to Coach Woodson and Trace and Miller now, you know, we're starting to hear this firsthand. And I am glad you brought up his foot, right? Because it's also like with Trace, these guys are never going to talk about it. Certainly not in season. That's protocol. It just won't happen. And in the service of creating a kinder, better, more informed, more sympathetic fan base. And just more thoughtful, right? Like it, there's more than meets the eye most of the time. Yes. And to, Keep it off social media. If you're a Hoosier fan and you see one of our guys struggling or even the team struggling, you know, keep it in-house because you don't you don't really know what's going on. And and to put it out there in a negative and a toxic way when you just don't have the story. All you see is the 40 minutes they let you see and you have no idea what they're dealing with even within the game and whatever is going on with their bodies or their minds, what's they're dealing with on the outside. So I do I do think it's nice to learn this uh, uh, while a, a player's career is still ongoing because I think it creates, uh, uh, again, just less animosity towards people for perceived uh, uh, falling short on performances, right? Like, oh, okay, because we've learned about a lot of these things from players from 
from bygone eras, yeah, right? Like, right. oh my gosh, I had no idea you were hurt that I bad. I would have been kinder then if I knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to, to get this while these guys are coming back in for another season next year, I, I think it's a, a good thing for us all to know. Yeah. Um, can I also say this? Sure. I don't know how to say this without it sounding weird. Uh-oh. Oh, no. He's six foot seven. He's in great shape. He's a good-looking dude. He's got great hair. Great. He's smart. He's a really good athlete. Cute He's puppy. creative. Huh? He has a cute puppy. He has a cute puppy. I mean, this dude's like a GQ model, right? Like, he is, he is like the prototypical, like, man. Right? I, I just feel... He walks into his uh, any room, any room with normal people. Let's say not maybe necessarily with his teammates, but I would feel a dude like that. He walks into any room. That room is his until yeah. he decides to like sit down and put like a, a, a an umbrella over his head. Like he owns that room until he relinquishes it. I totally agree. Um, I wanted to say one more thing about him in basketball. He talked about how emotional he was after that Northwestern game. And this is something we had heard about Miller, too, that, you know, they called him the Terminator. He's just so intense. Mm -hmm. And we know how how hard he takes every miss. I do think that that Northwestern game, with how much pressure he put on himself for that game, and then the game did not go well Mm -hmm. for a bunch of reasons. Yeah. I do think that that was a big learning lesson for him on how to handle things a little bit better from an emotional standpoint, because I do think his upward trajectory of comfort kind of happened from that game on Mm. for the rest of the year, with the exception of like the Syracuse game where he went off, but that was really an outlier, Mm -hmm. but he got more comfortable as the year ended. And it may have been from that Northwestern game. I think it, as long as he took the lessons of that, like I have to compartmentalize, I have to be able to deal with my emotion. Every shot is not life or death. You know, every game, one loss is not life or death. Just keep getting better. I loved how he articulated all that matters is look at yourself from yesterday and say, I'm going to be better than you. Mm -hmm. Like I loved that because that's all it is. Yeah. That is all it is. Mm -hmm. I am just going to be better than I was yesterday. And that doesn't just mean my three point form is going to get better. It means I'm going to handle things better. I'm going to, and, and I hope that he sees that he can enjoy the ride because it should be fun also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he clearly enjoys life. He's got a sense yeah. of humor. He had a blast with us for 90 minutes, or or he was really good at acting like yeah. he had a blast. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and I do think there is, there is um, when you want it so bad, when you're so determined, the Terminator, the Determinator, Determinator. Ooh, the Determinator. <laughs> I like that. It. You you can at a certain point you get in your own your own way yes. and and I think he is just primed to go into this year with the rest of these guys and let it fly as he said especially with two playmakers with Xavier and Jalen Hood Shafino with the ball in their hands looking to you know Jalen Hood looks to find people mm-hmm. you know X is more of a downhill guy he'll do the pick and roll he got better at the end of the year distributing but. You've got two playmakers now. They're going to put a lot of pressure on the defense. I think he's going to get a lot more of those wide open corner threes. And and I just, I really do think he's going to have a good year. I really do. So there you go. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? And we will be back at you 
next week. I feel like we need a better sign-off line. Do you want to workshop some right now? Go well, ahead. You, we'll go back and forth. Well, I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you were like, well, we'll hit you next week. And I said, in the face. And then you scoffed. And then it went to the song. Not terrible. Not terrible. Oh, you do one. All right, folks. That's it for now. We'll do it again later. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> hit the song. All right, that's one. Just look, we're just workshopping. All right, my turn. My turn. Okay. Well, that's all the news that's fit to print or podcast. So we'll leave now. Meet us back here in a week. Okay. <laughs> Your turn. Your turn. Your turn. Well, folks, thanks for spending this time with us. If you enjoyed yourself, please hit subscribe and hit the like button below. There's neither a subscribe nor a like button. Are you sure? No. Great, but that whole bit right there. The whole yeah, the thing. whole thing. We'll do that every week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll see you next week. Bye. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier 